barbed wire, earthworms, vomit, pubic hair, eggs. Catherine Breyat's extraordinary debut, A Real Young Girl, tells a vivid story of adolescent female sexual awakening with these visceral images. Fantasies of abjection, submission, violation, rub up against clumsy fumblings and psychological speculation. Her films highlight the agency and ambivalence of young women as they navigate the attentions of usually older men. In 36 Fillette, a 14-year-old tests her power in a protracted seduction with a middle-aged playboy. In Fat Girl, sibling rivalry frames the deflowering of a glamorous 16-year-old on holiday, watched through the chubby fingers of her younger sister from across the room. At the turn of the century, Bryant's work blossomed into the mainstream, with transgressive psychodramas like Romance X and Anatomy of Hell falling under the banner of the new French extremity with directors like Bruno Dumont, Gaspar Noé and Léos Cadax. Bryant has been variously censored and lauded for her boldness with sensitive subject matter. Tabloidish furores around hashtag MeToo and her use of unsimulated sex have clouded the sheer honesty and intimacy of her filmmaking. You're listening to MoobTube, the podcast that now more than ever wears its male gaze on its sleeve. <laughs> Owen, who joins me live in the studio. Live, live, live. Bryat's work pushes boundaries and penetrates the viewer's preconceptions. Does. Did you let her put it in? <laughs> Just a tip. <laughs> um, I, I got my male gaze all over my sleeve. All over my sleeve. Where I, did you start? Where did I start? Um, I started with Fat Girl. Amasur, mm-hmm. for my sister in French. There's a bit of um, uh, complexity about the name because Breat named it diff- per- intervened to name it differently in English mm. as Fat Girl, and we had a lot of like hot chat about whether Fat Girl is a better title than For My Sister. It's more arresting, certainly, um, and it foregrounds her body, which is probably more important to Breat's project of corporeality. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy mm. the the sort of dirtbag bluntness of Fat Girl. Yeah, yeah. It's Whereas much for my sister is a bit like thinky. It's a bit too intellectual because we know it's about the sibling relationship. Uh, it's unambiguously about sibling relationship, but also not. Um, I yeah. So I started with um, I started with Fat Girl, working my way to through some bits and pieces to um, the 1976's I forgot the name of the film, a real young a, girl a real young girl um, um, vrai jeune fille. Um, fille. copping a fee the copper fee shit fuck yeah so I worked from um, I guess um, Romare with tits which is what um, uh, f- fat girl is basically yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's Pauline à la plage yeah. à la boobs à la boobs à la, la boobies um, à la like um Alaclitoris, or something more, something more insidious, really. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I guess the principle of Fat Girl. Let's start with Fat Girl because mm. it's it's the first bright film I ever saw. Um, it it kind of compares. Okay, spoilers ahead with Fat Girl. She's fat. <laughs> there is a, 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 a violent physical rape by a stranger, an axe murderer. Uh, of the eponymous fat girl of a culmination 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 the cow what are you you calling her a cow cow fat cow (laughs) Um, Um, and this is compared with like the more sort of gaslighty um, coercive well um, romantic uh, um, the preceding narrative because a lot of of her films centre on the idea of a coming of age mm. and I mean I mean the pun there but kind yeah. of almost these sexual awakenings um, through the body through the kind of exploration of the body and it's not a it's not like an American pie sitch 
Really? I haven't seen that film. Oh, you, you have. Stop. Come on. I we're, literally we're haven't. We're enough to see. <laughs> you know that film with the uh, the American kids? Um, so it's, regardless of whether you haven't, haven't seen American Pie, yeah. um, you have seen. It's like, yeah, you've seen, you'll see it. That'll be the next episode. Um, but there is a coming of age told through the body, but it's a kind of, there is a sense of distrust and uh, discomfort and use the word abjection. Mm. And abjection in Christian sense refers to a wound. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if the wound is the right way of putting it. It's, a, it's almost like a dysmorphia yeah. in the body of the adolescent body you're growing into. Um, it's more obvious in uh, Real Girl, um, but yeah. in, fat, in Fat Girl, it's also there. It's this kind of like awareness of the body as an instrument, the awareness of the body needing something, needing mm. dick, for example, but also being disgusted by the thought of it. Um, and that kind of permeates the film and it's told through the, the lens, the story of two sisters, one of whom is sort of tr- conventionally pretty and attractive and desirable. Mm-hmm. One of whom is just a fat piece of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the other according to the logic of the film, according I mean, to the logic of the she's film, she's still obviously. like, you know, like, what are you saying, Ralph? <laughs> <laughs> you want to fuck the sister? No, she's like younger as well. Yeah. But like, no, no, no. You but know. you know what I mean? It's not like she's you know, like. She was uh, found in McDonald's. Did you read that? She was found in McDonald's. She was scouted, groomed, <laughs> maybe. Groomed this girl in McDonald's. <laughs> I can buy your happy. You, you want, you'd like Happy Meals, kid? Yeah, I can yeah. get you so many Happy Meals. Um, but no, she. so it's told through the story of these two kids. The sisters, obviously, the, and it's kind of like a tale of as old as time in a way that the older, prettier sister is less aware of how her body might be perceived. Yeah. Whereas the younger sister is wiser mm-hmm. because she's been used to her body being the subject of negative, damaging, dismissive mm. uh, assassinations, basically. So yeah. she's more aware of distrusting the body straight away. So a conversation they have at the beginning of the film is about losing their virginity and they're walking through woods you know it's literally dante you know in the middle of my life i found myself lost in a great woods and i did mm. not know my way it's kind of that the, the beginning of their life mm. um and the pretty girl says um you know sort of you know she's obsessed with the idea of losing her virginity uh, and the kind of fat girl the younger sister uh sort of saying i don't think sex really means anything if i lose my virginity i wanted to lose my virginity to someone it doesn't matter yeah, yeah they have to be a with. nobody she says yeah, yeah. um because they will, it will mean nothing to them it'll just be a conquest mm. um, and a lot of the tension of the film explores that conversation really it's really a continuation mm. of that conversation right so tell me about so this was your first break out Mm. Um, and my first break out too but mine was more recent and yours was yeah, yeah. longer ago um, but she so that tell me how that kind of story percolates through the sisters and, and the role that the body plays so I yeah. I feel like Fat Girl is kind of like the it crystallises the theory of real young girl into something more narratively conventional so mm. there is sort of like a it's set on holiday there's a family dynamic there's a romance there's a rivalry there's um Whereas Real Young Girl is just about is about um, all of the fantasies and, and, and imagery is kind of is sort of isolated into one person, the the, the girl mm-hmm. Alice. Um, uh, whereas in Fat Girl, this sort of obsession with the body and what the body means and and what for a woman. This is where, like I said in the intro, we wear our male gaze on our sleeves. You know, like I don't really know what it's like to um, grow up as a girl and to be like looked at and sexualized and desired and to have people want to put their dick in you. Like um, this is like something that is inextricable from 
like the early early experiences of a woman right mm. and um and she depicts it in a in a vivid in a vivid enough way that I feel like I have an enhanced perspective on what that experience is and also an enhanced perspective on what how I relate to that like as a du- as a straight dude mm. um it's funny that I like Briar as much as I do because I think yeah. the straight men in her films are like so one dimensional <laughs> yeah. and like men ghastly. Want they're so cringe <laughs> yeah the men in her films her universe want only one thing which is to kind of literally they want to ejaculate a woman it's, yeah, it's yeah, that, yeah. literally that and it's it's not about the sexual availability of the woman it's not about um the depth or recognizing the woman as anything they're literally just a, a hole to come in pretty but much but i'm fine with that because we are animals you know yeah absolutely and and brett is very <laughs> aware of that but it, we will talk about more about her yeah. interview with um i was about to say Mumsnet podcast just not that <laughs> murmur podcast murmur pod- murmur um, radio, yeah. but she there is an element where yeah, you're talking about a real young girl. Real young girl is from 1976. It's, a, you know, a long time has mm. passed, you know, um, between these two films. A real young girl is a sexual awakening. It's a much more like John Waters-esque mm. uh, kind of gro- almost gross out sexual narrative. It's yeah. a building's romance told through sex, right? And it's it's much more like uh, Bataille's story of the eye yeah. um, about the, almost this disgusting kind of horror of the body and the body being an instrument of, of pleasure, but also disgust yeah like the moment where she sort of has this pleasure in vomiting yeah she, she's she wanks and then vomits on herself yeah, i think yeah and, and then when she's in the girl's bathroom and she's like rubbing her toes on the dirt on the floor of the, st- of the yeah. stall she's aware of the proximity and she's aware that something like sex can dirty us and also empower us and yeah, i think yeah. one thing that brea does really well is she has the nuance around sex to see it simultaneously as something filthy but also compelling mm. and the filth is um, the compelling thing, I suppose. Like, and she kind of demystifies it, and re- she demythologizes sex mm. in a way because she makes it both transactional and and transcendent. Mm. Um, and that's her real power. And she doesn't answer those questions. It's not like we could say about Briat that she liberates uh, people to exploit sexuality because she's still like you know people still just want to put a dick in you and come <laughs> like she's very yeah, functional yeah. about that and there's no sex that really happens in her world that is really fully consensual or really fully lovely yeah you know there's always a, a weird power dynamic but that's what i mean i suppose that there's this amazing combination of of the fantasy and the fumbling that's yeah. really what Briar yeah. is for me is like this juxtaposition of like all the sort of like dirty, hairy, weird bits of sex mm. that, in a way, are erotic because they remind us of our our earlier encounter, our, our earlier, more mischievous encounters, yeah. and they remind us of of, <laughs> of the kind of the the the, the, the strangeness of sex. How mm. sex feels strange to you, even when you've done it a hundred times. Yeah, you sort of feel like I've not done it a hundred <laughs> times. I've I'm still in the single digits. I'm working my way out. To my well, first challenge, course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like Bri- Briat brings this, um, and then and then 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 there's the fe- the feminine sexuality mm. element, which again, like I, um, I know from what from like what women I know say. What women want? What, well, I know what <laughs> you know, but we're in this dynamic. Like I was on I was on a hinge like a week or so ago, chatting to this girl who was like, you know, really like wanting her body to be totally demeaned. She was like, she's at one point. She said, like, claim my body, you know. And this, mm. like, that's when you put a flag in her. <laughs> typically, 
<laughs> like a like a burger, just to keep yeah. it all, keep everything, keep the level. bun and the lettuce and tomato, <laughs> just perfect. Um, um, I I mean, probably some people listening might think I'm sound crazy, but like basically that yeah that like encompasses a particular feminine experience, a particular mm. female feminine desire for some women that like it's quite it's quite controversial to talk about it, I suppose, because mm. you know it's like it's not like feminist or whatever, but like no. Briat expresses this amazing way in which that wanting to be subjected to stuff, wanting yeah. to be experimented on almost, experimenting with one's body, which is mm. something men don't do. Men are the mm. sort of, the tool that, that I experiments wouldn't, no, on. I wouldn't necessarily say it's true, because I think there is a degree of adolescent sexuality where you do experiment with your body a bit more. Yeah, but you like, forget yeah. that as you... Yeah, but it's like gay, yeah, isn't it? Become 60, yeah, <laughs> 16, 17. Like, like sticking stuff up your ass. But then like, if you yeah. are straight, you're basically, you're like... You're, there's a you're questioning the glass. You're, yeah I think there's a there's something really good that somebody said about um, Brat's cinema where she said typically this critic said typically male sexual awakening in adolescence happens publicly mm. whereas it's expected that female sexual awakening happens privately and what she does is she puts the female internal fantasy mm. on the outside so what we're seeing is the female fantasy and there's a really good bit in um, Amasur in Fat Sister where we see the fat girl in the swimming pool kind mm. of play at role playing with, yeah. um, with basically a diving board and she's she's almost creating this fantasy yeah, she's hugging these hugging the, the, one leg of it the handle of the of the rail that you used to get out of the swimming pool yeah and that's one board. of the men that she's kind of seducing and the other men is like the other, on the other side of the pool and it's a complete fa- fantasy but it's quite insightful to see that that inner sexuality is rarely depicted mm. for women and often the male fantasy is seen because it's a fantasy that flows through the dick it's also know. the most cinematic thing just to mm. depict like someone's inner fantasy through mm. that role play it's so it's so it's so i mean it's cute and in one sense it's you watch it and you're like cinematically as but well. it's perfect cinematically scene, yeah. it's like that's like that might mm. just be something that would happen in someone's head but she yeah. manages to make it real the camera's there yeah. seeing this really private moment and the adults are obviously i wouldn't even say jaded but quite indifferent in that film no, they kind don't of, see it no they don't because see that's it. when you have when you have a fantasy no one else sees it no that's what the amazing thing about brea is that she captures the nature of fantasy so it, whether it's in Real Young Girl where stuff just appears on screen that isn't actually part of the narrative, it's yeah it's the intrusions you know. of the fantasies yeah, yeah. seem real. They do seem real. Yeah. They, they come yeah. like any any dream you at the time you think it's real, mm. and so there's this strange process whereby, you know, they'll the the guy that she likes is is in a car with her and they're kind of like wanking off to each other and you're like. And they're sort of saying, oh, should we do it? Should we do this? Or, or, or are you ready? And you're in your head. You're like, yeah, but you've done all this mad stuff. Like, he's put, like, worms in your pussy. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that oh, was just a fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantasy. You know, um, so there's this kind of, like, there's this play between... And, 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 the, and the narrative of the film, because everything is so visceral and so banal and so, like, kind of uncanny, mm. all of that stuff, you're not sort of... It's not, it's not sig- signalled what the level of reality is which is a really good thing yeah, to do yeah there's no obvious indicator of transition that we are entering a dream yeah. sequence there's no change of um or in the surface of reality it doesn't mm. change so with a real young girl we see um her father's exposed penis while he's watching tv mm. um his tiny little french chode sticking out <laughs> of his little trousers <laughs> le petit chode le petit chode <laughs> Um, but we, we see that and it, we realize it wasn't there and it's you know it isn't there then it's there um, 
and the camera kind of lingers on it. She's just had an encounter on a, she goes on a fairground ride and a man kind of reveals his dick to her when she's on the, um, on the ride, basically. Yeah. Um, she's not a fan. Not a fan. She's like a disgusting bastard. Like she does all the things, you know, kind of like the, the shock is there. Whereas in her dream sequences, she mm. doesn't show that shock because she's more in control. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when she's seen where she's, she dreams that her kind of love interest is pinning her down. Um, and feeding a worm into her, her, literally into her vagina, right? And there she doesn't say anything. She's mm. very silent. Um, when they do make out on the beach, which I think is a kind of real scene, he does get his dick out. Mm. And then she kind of walks away. She's like, oh, you're disgusting. And she kind of leaves yeah. him. It could, it could be a fan, part of the fantasy, but it could also it, be... It's um, also part of the ambivalence. Yeah. Uh, and this is a good point to, to transition into 36 Fiat, which is the film. I think she made that directly after... Or, in 1988 so it's about 10 more than 10 years a bit after then yeah um after real young girl so 36 for yet is like a is a seduction it's kind of like a rape comedy it's like it is yeah like it's kind of you know she is violently assaulted by this guy but she's also she also chooses you've seen more of this film than me so i'm gonna let you take point on this so there's this girl she's not fat she's sort of a bit plump um irrelevant It's, it's always relevant. It's always relevant with Bray at how body size the women what kind are. Of body, yeah, how they're perceived. Totally, they're sexually yeah, yeah. Available she doesn't, yeah, yeah. She's like a stand-up comedian. She like, whatever it is you're thinking in your brain, she goes straight to it. Yeah, you know, good point. Whatever like judgment yeah. or preconception, like the like that's why I think Fat Girl is such a good title mm. because it like, it's like, it's like, we are base. We aren't really much better than the no. first thing we think about. Because that girl is what you is see fat. when you see her as a character. Yeah, you're yeah. Like you are the fat girl. Yeah, of you course. are the fat and popular girl. We, yeah, no yeah. one desires. And Briat um, is brutal and, and honest in that way. Um, and yeah, so yeah. Anyway, but the, yeah, so she's slightly plump. This 36 Fiat girl. She's like it's a 16 year old actress playing a 14 year old. So got to be a bit more careful with you know <laughs> <laughs> with your ideation. Um, um, but um, this guy, she's. She ends up winging into who's kind of the first. She just basically decides she wants to have a bit of a sexual awakening, and the first guy that really turns up is her brother's friend. This guy, I can't remember his name, but he looks like Dominic Cummings. And um, <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Cummings is such like a kind of porn star name. It's like English porn star names. Like, I've come to check your boiler. Hard Brexit and what. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so he um, he kind of doesn't really make much uh, many bones about. The, the, his bone uh, <laughs> um, oh. but she kind of she encourages him because she wants to have a night out and she wants to get you know wants to have some experiences but mm. also she doesn't really seem to want him to fuck her um, and she throws shows some resistance and so the sex they have is is just rape really um, but then she she kind of tells her brother oh this guy is was horrible to me and he's like Oh, I'll get that dude. What a motherfucker! But then she secretly goes off with him anyway because she wants to spend time with him. So she That's has the, amb- this, the ambivalence. Of yeah, yeah. Opera. She has this yeah. real ambivalence where she wants this desire, and she wants again, like the girl in Fat Girl, she wants to sort of have a, an, a, an early sexual experience that sort of doesn't mean anything. Mm. Um, that's kind of she's okay with the clumsiness, but she's also like, yeah. Like, I think it's it's, with it's and the, her parents are very, again with, as with Fat Girl. It's a very similar story. It's also set by the beach. The, her parents are like really upset with her for like having any sexual activity at all. Yeah, ev- even though the say with Real and Girl, the parents are clearly traumatized by their own sexual relationship. Yeah, it's very present. The the father's been cheating on the wife. Um, they have a confrontation about it later in the film you see the father uh with the woman he's having an affair with uh, and he i would sort of say like again the ambiguity is that he forces himself on her 
really because she's like not outside not outside mm. um and there's a very probably one of the more shocking images of the film is of him kind of cleaning the cum off his tiny little <laughs> tiny little dick um and then stuffing the kind of cum rag into his trousers it's a really bizarre <laughs> scene without really any context about um why he's hiding he's li- i suppose he's literally hiding the cum and it's this kind of on the nose it is what it is it's on the nose as well is it yeah (laughs) (laughs) on the face um but it's one of the scenes again where there's these ambivalent scenes where a male desire overcomes female um uh or or sort of the woman's needs or wants you know sort of it's overrides it overrides their power it disempowers them um yeah i think Catherine breyer is she she takes the male gaze and the and male and patriarchy as red yeah she does i mean there's an amazing quote from her i'll just um get it out i'll whip my quote out (laughs) um face ID. it's very appropriate to make kind of facile sex jokes actually around breyer because i think her work invites it Oh yeah, yeah. he's asking for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a feminist, Um, but not in my films. I have far too much respect for art to use it to send a message or a political slogan. She adds, I am an entomologist. I always say mm. the truth and I'm not politically correct. Um, which this is in a, in the interview she does with Murmur Radio, which was since withdrawn yep. because it caused controversy because of some of the things she said about Me Too, which I felt were misrepresented. For instance, they said she said that Harvey Weinstein wasn't that bad when what she really said was there are people in France who are worse than him, which I knowing the French, the water I, <laughs> I suppose there's the element of water battery with that, um, with her statement, but the interview is quite nuanced and she yeah, is nuanced. shocked that she says, People obsess- she, they talk a lot about Last Tango in Paris and about Bertolucci, yeah. Marlon Brando and the butter scene, right? She leaps too comfortably to Bertolucci's defence because Bertolucci has expressed his guilt over yeah, yeah. that scene. It's kind of unambiguously a bad thing. Let's move on. And I think she she's very keen to defend the neutrality of art in the face of politics, I think. And yeah, she's yeah. very much a true auteur in that sense. Um, well, it's a great cause. I mean... Uh, it's, a good, it's an important cause because what she says, just to finish that point, is yeah. that... The worst treatment that that actress had was after that, when you know she raises the point of men waiters and so on bringing butter to her table at oh, restaurants right, as a kind of visual her. joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So then said so that's the trauma that is much more nuanced and ingrained and every day are much more cruel. People being arseholes. Yeah, she said that is that is a real thing, and she's she's shocked at that. Not the mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, these bigger moments these kind of almost mm. culture war moments not to reduce it to culture wars but to sort of say that she's much more aware of the daily horrors and she says mm. that is in my film she's almost she's angry because people won't see that in her film she said my films are about this my films explore male dominance and male rape um, yeah, yeah. and they all do they all have that yeah, but yeah. you and can't they, they watch her it, films and go this they depict is- it much more honestly than mm. most films <laughs> that are like that are, that are like have a politics to them like mm. an overt politics she's just wary about the politicization of it and the anonymity actually she's she's very much like a brave um come out and say it almost yeah um, which is what's interesting about um i wanted to bring it back to fat girl because we we watched fat girl with in a sort of film whatsapp group with um friend of the show igor um who i'm, who I'm sure is yeah. listening igor 29 <laughs> shout out um and uh, he was quite he loved real young girl but he was quite upset with um what he felt with Fat Girl, I don't know if I ventriloquise him, but I think basically he was sort of saying that it felt a bit obvious and, and tropish and cliched to have this dichotomy of the fat girl who doesn't get any 
any dick and they're, and they're sort of good looking girl who does and this this dichotomy that's it's presented true to life, though. that eh? it's true to life though yeah, yeah it's yeah. true yeah. Um, totally true um but the, the 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 dichotomy that's presented at the end when the fat girl is brutally raped by a stranger versus the thin girl who is like coercively like made to be fucked up the ass through this promise of love which is obviously shallow the manipulation by her lover yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, then it, it kind of poses this slightly didactic question of like or is it worse to be like psychologically raped or to be like physically like have you know some but in both cases the ambiguities there's there's no easy solution she's kind of saying they're both both situations are I would say inevitable, but both situations. She's almost saying both situations happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they're yeah. both part of the uh, tortures and complexities of sex. But I think but she says maybe what is more common are the manipulations, because what we mm. are led to believe is the rape and the murder at the end is a fantasy of the fat girl. Of yeah, yeah, name. yeah, and um, she like wants it at the end. She's like yeah. embraces the her rapist. She embraces it because she doesn't um, dob him in. She 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 protects but her no, body autonomy. She embraces him as well, yeah. like while it's yeah, happening. Yeah. But then when the police pull her out of the hedge, she's obviously traumatized. But they're like, "Were you raped?" She says, "I was not." You may not believe me, but it did not happen because she's protecting her bodily yeah, autonomy yeah. as the virgin. Because she realizes that is a source, a well of power for her, yeah, it's her yeah. virginity. But you get um, some sort of sense that she's she. You almost get some sense she's already been raped. There's something like very traumatized about the fat girl just 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 mm. the sort of the ball and chain thing the way she describes being dragged around by her more good looking sister and yeah. the way she has to watch her like the watching her sister be like sexually kind of violated in a well, way she, she's in the room when the the yeah, manipulation yeah. happens and awake during it so the the guy that they uh fall in with is a college student 21 mm. 22 it- italian guy obviously <laughs> say obviously um <laughs> that's amore um but it's an Italian guy who's older and only seems to to shine on them when he discovers uh, their age. Actually, mm. he suddenly shows interest. He very literally grabs the hand of uh, the sister, and when she mentions her that she's at high school. Oh, that's true. Um, I forgot. About yeah, that. he suddenly kind of pours on his interest, and so he kind of professes his love for her. Clearly, what he wants is to come in her. Um, yeah, yeah. So they have a scene where he comes to her room at night. Um, he makes all kinds of sort of chat about how he does, how he, you know, oh, there are, there are girls I've, I've had sex with too many girls to count, but like, mm. you know, they didn't matter like you, you're, you're special. Yeah, he and he gives her this ring and all this. Yeah, stuff. he gives her, he steals his mother's ring. Um, he steals his mother's ring to give to her. He kind of talks about, um, this is some uh, squeaking coming through in the audience. <laughs> this is my flatmate <laughs> pulling up the laundry. Pulling up the laundry. But they, he also talks about, um, the times when he's rejected sex he talks about he's very proud of a situation where he gets a girl drunk in order not to sleep with her and he uses his various fantasies the things she wants such such a player (laughs) (laughs) but he basically has all these various narratives and his his desires to like have sex with her she doesn't want it Mm. right she kind of wants his closeness i think and a kind of measured sexual exposure but not that that's a barrier she's not willing to cross what he then what then happens is that he convinces her to take it the back away as he puts it um as if that's somehow like well he says it girls all the girls do that because it doesn't count and it's this gain this golden barrier that he's talking about which is the virginity and the virginity is like almost like a, a third sister in this relationship um you know that kind of dominates their obsessions about Again, it comes back to him. He has of, a very ornate prosthetic cock. It's like does. slightly lower than his cock would be because it's like glued on. But do you, what did you that? 
because he's literally holding the prosthetic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because I saw Sexist Comedy, which is like mm. the is like a, a fictionalized making of, mm. starring the same actress. That's a film Brett made afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you see, you, there's a bit where like they're choosing the cock. There's like there's like a. Cock. <laughs> I didn't wonder why it's like so a ruler straight. Are you in the marker for? Yeah, like it, no one's yeah. cocks that straight. Well, sort yourself. <laughs> uh, right, I'm I'm gonna like stop for a commercial break while oh, Ralph yeah, pours me a little bit of wine. Bit of wine. Um, a French wine we're drinking. I actually am doing a French, Ralph. Ralph. A French champagne. <laughs> so the thing I wanted to say actually um, about um, about the fat girl dichotomy. I still love it as a film. I wasn't. Mm. I was like having seen Real Young Girl and Fat Girl in a short space of time. I think yeah. Real Young Girl is a much more interesting, innovative piece of work, much, and I'm more like. Oh, to, Real Young Girl is more interesting yeah, to you. Yeah, than okay. Fat Girl. Yeah, I'm more it pushes like, more. More likely to rewatch it, I think. But I was thinking about Fat Girl and like mm. that dichotomy of like the psychological rape versus the physical rape, and I was thinking like, it's. I think about like the the thing that ir- it didn't irritate me, but it irritated Igor, and I can sort of see mm. why. In that it's this using film to, rather than just showing like life in a kind of complicated way, it sort of it take it sort of rather neatly takes two things and mm. sort of poses a, a moral question it already knows the answer to which is a bit like like yeah. I, you know we talked about i may destroy you a few weeks ago like how th- show how it shows or films like want to be morally complex but they um but they but they do so with this kind of like you know it's too it's too all in the heart uh, you know in, in the second half you know like c- kind of putting points on either side to sort yeah, of create it, a, like it, a balanced argument the the, the um the the Anne like the big the large girl the fat girl yeah, is yeah. kind of preternaturally wise that a, mm. a fourteen or twelve year old wouldn't be yeah, yeah she's yeah. really a mouthpiece it's for all Brea. quite intellectually loaded yeah it's very intellectually loaded she she is if it was really like whereas the the older prettier sister as it were does seem um she has the coherence of someone that age I suppose the younger girl mm. is un, unusually wise beyond yeah, her years yeah. and that kind of makes it seem like oh she's a mouthpiece for Brea that's also what um, made me think that she'd been like abused or traumatised in some way it's not impossible because the parents in that film quite. are super distant and there's also an element there in both films where the parents are very removed they manage to damage their children mm. without really being involved in them it's like the uh, the Philip Larkin approach to you parenting your parents will fuck you up <laughs> they do not dad. mean to but they do they don't mean to they do and it's kind of that it's and the like dad the, looks so much like the guy that fucks the good looking one yeah it's like they look more similar than the, and the sisters mom is, do to the each other. But the dad is very like uh, this kind of drab bureaucrat business. He's, oh, he's got, so his, but the, yeah. the mom is kind of like it's very glamorous, very beautiful, and yeah, she's quite uh, hot. She's really hot. But she's so she just um, looks so harried and exhausted. Mm, she's like just fumbling for her cigarettes, kind yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, but she's almost in like negligee at one point. It's just, it's the parental dynamic which we do not see and do not have access to is really complicated. Mm. As it is, we see more into the. I mean, that's why you're talking about Ruan Girl because Ruan Girl is interesting. Mm. Um, sexually, we learn we we learn more about the parents. We learn more about the parents' indifference. You learn more about the dysfunction of this family. Um, the father who gropes his daughter. Mm. You know, he he says at one point, he says, "I love being with my girls." You know, it's very much kind of he's very <laughs> handsy. He loves looking at his daughter. You know, loves to show. She loves to be in her bra. It's just my dad. It doesn't matter. Like the the dysfunction in the family. The 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 attention is all in the wrong places and the mm. indifference is all in the right places as yeah. it were you know it's very fucked up um, <laughs> it's super fucked up but I love it because it is much more yes yeah, that it has that John Waters disgusting uh, muddy 
performance performativeness yeah, about it. It's yeah. kind of camp. It's also mm. kind of welcoming. I mean, we were talking earlier about um, before before we started recording um, about uh, how we both enjoy the podcast Come Town and how it's sort of like there's something about the absurdity and the objection and the vulgarness of that podcast that makes us both feel like relaxed at ease yeah at ease because yeah. it's like oh yeah oh of course yeah it's quite normal to constantly think about really vulgar abject things yeah rather than to second guess like double think yourself yeah, where yeah. you you write those things out of your brain and it's um yeah it's, it, it sets you at ease and it also it kind of makes you comfortable with your thinking mm. even if you come to reject your thinking it's not you know, this is something Brea rejects you know it's the kind of out of the anonymous rejection of a thing before mm. you've confronted it and been brave with it and exposed yourself to it and I think Brea is really good in her films at exposing herself to scenes that are quite unpleasant I mean in the social um, context what Brea's so good at is that she shows she shows things that people say are bad and shouldn't be shown or shouldn't mm. be you know she she can she's a complete fuck you to this whole question about like um you know uh like oh no, is it normalizing to show this or whatever you know that boring stuff yeah boring. like she she she's like this is art, like art is not here to say what's right or wrong that's why yeah. that's the only weakness of fat guy is it borders on taking a position but the like what's amazing about 36 for yet is partly that it's like not bollock unlike some of the new french extremity which just yeah. seems like dirty old men wanting to like you know see some <laughs> see some tit like Catherine Breyat Dying is like old. a really honest mm. reflection of female desire you can just tell that she's felt all those things in her life yeah um and it's and, it, and, it, and there's no um and also this this thing about taking responsibility and i think that's why she fell out with the whole me too thing because um you know uh like her position on this stuff like her position on the harvey weinstein stuff was like well if you go into a hotel room with a fat movie producer guy who's really rich like you know what what the deal is mm. and i think in her films the women always know what the deal is and that's what that's what empowers them in yeah. those films and it doesn't make the th the thing the rape the assault okay no. but it makes it it makes the path towards that one that's ambiguous mm. and uh, involves some agency yeah, yeah. whereas the line where it's just weak-willed uh, docile women thrown around by bearish men yeah, yeah. is actually quite disempowering and quite unrealistic she says there is a thing that leads people to that mm. door to open that door so that's what she explores she explores that ambiguous space that leads you to put your hand on the door handle and open yeah it. i think that's and it doesn't mean that she's a rape apologist or anything like that. No, um, it just means she's open to the ambiguities around sex because she is very much, like we said, she says sex is a space of um, ambiguity and f filth, but also mm. pleasure and need. Like, you know, one thing about a real life girl is that she has this in urgent need to have mm. fuck. Yeah, she yeah. can't explain why. It's just the most important <laughs> thing to her is to fuck. Yeah. Um, and you could say the same to an extent about uh, fat girl there's a need to fuck or to, again it's more didactic I think that's why uh, yeah. uh, real girl is much better because yeah she has this need and it's there's it's not reducible explicable mm. um, and she explores that 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 becoming of that thought um, it's that it's that Margaret Mead place thing isn't it that anthropologist Margaret Mead wrote a lot about sexuality she also wrote a lot about conceptions of dirt mm. and she said that dirt is just matter out of place Oh. You know, hair is clean until it's in a in a plug in a bath. You right. know, that's it. Soil in a in a pot is pleasant to feel until it's like wet, 
gooey dirt in the rain. Oh, that's it's a great like, reference. It's such a good. It's, I think about it all the fucking time. Because the mat is always out of place in the mat is, Yeah, the mat is often out of place and deranged, and that's what it is. He said, you know, sex is right when it's right, but when it's not, and she's, it's still the same urge. Um, so yeah. she's she's very much rather than and that we desire it when it's not right or that we yeah yeah yeah, yeah we can we can want to be like you said oh you could want to be dominated you could want to be uh, to to put yourself to in sexual defiled, situations to be defiled, to be defiled yeah. you know um, yeah I think in in that sense she's a, 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 a real a realist of sexual desire and that's necessary I want to get onto the more formal aspects of her work and talk about a few of her other films but. Mm. Um, just before that, like, is there any stuff like really to go drive in the male gaze thing of like these films are not really for us in the way that a lot of films are, and I guess mm. like like is there something it makes you feel or reflect upon in your own in your own like way of viewing women and and desiring women? I think I think it's an interesting reminder, but I don't know how much I need to be reminded about this because mm. I'm not like. I don't, automaton or a psychopath but that there is a world of like female fantasize fantasy fantasization the process of that uh, imagining which exists which is very female and exists and is not as public as the male fantasy Mm. and the male expectations about male pubescence Mm. um i think that's interesting and you forget that male pubescence is a very accepted thing um you know Mm. that's why there is a American Pie, you know, film like American Pie, which is all very like uh, football and uh, little league and very all American. It's a wholesome film about young boys mm. wanting to fuck women, and that's all that's important. Um, there's not an equivalent of that for women, um, and anything that sticks of like female sexual liberation is still even today quite uh, cir- circumspect and quite mm. um, suspect. Sorry, it's quite suspect. So I think that's interesting to remember that your your adolescence, your sexual becoming is much more accepted as a man than it is mm. as a woman, and you're allowed to perform that publicly. Yeah, I just um, don't ever think I wouldn't even wouldn't even come up with a question for me that my sexual fantasies are like in some way inhibited. No, I mean I'm inhibited from talking about them. Like. Yeah, you know, in public, yeah, <laughs> just maybe around thing. the old, around the water cooler. <laughs> but uh, but like, I I'm want not, to but like, put my dick in but a like, dick ring. Wanting to like fuck a woman with nice tits is like 100 what advertising is 100% telling me all got the time. Milk. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah it's 100 percent that. It's 100 percent that. The, but, ma- the male, the male gaze is satisfied everywhere. It looks, yeah, yeah, exactly. The male gaze obviously, is not. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, but even so, it's not like um, these are still like very quite erotic films for a straight man because they show so much like yeah women like vulnerable femininity penetrable femininity yeah really young girl is very like sexually gratifying as a male viewer 100 percent (laughs) yeah i can't just giggle when you said that (laughs) we we all know Um, know. the fap top um (laughs) but uh but no i i I guess also the other thing i wanted to say was like um She's also very much like a gender realist. I, and mm. I often think this, some people I know are like straight and very much like they are a man or they are a woman and they're like very much, you know, um, I guess like I am like realist about that. Like like very much like this is what, you know, being a man is and that's what you being a woman is. And that's, yeah. you know, whereas there are some people who are uh, in life, um, but particularly in our circles, I guess, who are more... Or, interested in abolishing gender or abolishing what gender means mm. um, and are sort of upset by, you know, they're, they're sexually sort of 
open and liberated maybe but they're quite they're sort of they're maybe uh upset about um some of the more like trad mm. gender fantasies like yep. you know a man doming and topping a woman <laughs> you know? um like you know a, a man can, you know which is what Bar- Barat's what, uh, what i'm getting at here is that like Barat's films are not they're not queer they're mm. not like um uh post-gender at all they are no, they are they are trads they're like gender yeah. realists they mm. are taking the kind of trauma of heterosexuality and like even if that heterosexuality is a figment or a, a self-perception yeah, yeah yeah she buys into that as totally being the dominant mode of western sexuality which is true yeah yeah, yeah. um which is fine like yeah, yeah most people are fine. straight so yeah. you could go for it you know <laughs> and he, like it's 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 uh, we're all not gay you know. now <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, it wouldn't whatever you make fun about what if you want but like it, yeah. yeah it it does um it's yeah it's funny it's like a kind of i was just noticing that as like a uh, it, it, i think i think people would have trouble with this film mm. if they were trying to kind of imagine a different society yeah, where, where might, gender function differently and you might expect a more transgressive um i suppose gender identification through very cinema and i suppose she's quite aggressively not been that she's quite in some ways a conservative mm. filmmaker who um is playing out she talks you know about the sexual revolution she talks about 68 in that that murmur interview so mm. she's very much fixated i suppose on exploding the again dominant kind of um binary of of western or at least french you know we could say mm. french western european kind of civilization um so yeah what you are not getting from those forms a sense of uh you know alice in a real young girl is not questioning her gender identity no not nice. um she's not questioning uh the there is i'm thinking back to even you know like the relationship between the sisters in um that girl is not exploring the ambiguous spaces of of sisterhood mm. you know the you know which it can be a thing i'm sure like it, it, it but that is not being opened up it's very much like masculine desire feminine desire how they kind of miss each other yeah, I Almost. mean, sisterhood is under the microscope in a very... Or siblinghood in 36 mm. Fiat, because the brother's quite interesting and annoying. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, uh, fat girl... Fat, uh, what fat girl does for, sis- for siblinghood and mm. sisterhood is, like, shows this perhaps overwritten, but psychologically, emotionally very intelligent um, mm. relationship between these two people who are kind of annoyed at each other constantly, but also far more relaxed with each other mm. than than the um the one who's getting dick is yeah. with the the dick she's getting what about <laughs> what about because uh, you've seen more of Brat's modern cinema yeah which is aligns with maybe not modern like conversations and discourse around gender and sexuality but she you know at least post 9-11 um wait what's 9-11 got to do with gender Everything. What they talking about? The castration a of the tower uh, gets the West gets castrated <laughs> by the um, decadent infidel. No, um, you know, I'm just saying internet That's culture. Osama bin Laden queered. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's literally um, there's an article in a defense journal about drone warfare representing a queering of warfare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's funny. It's so good and not is a parody. It for real? It's not it's parody. It's hundred percent real. It's full soft. Querying the battlefield. Querying the battlefield's battle space. Um, but there hell. is what a. Would say? You've seen her modern stuff, her more recent stuff. Or where Mishima. she's Mishima would like that. Mishima would love that shit. <laughs> the ultimate top. Um, but there is a sense where 
Zero modern films engage with modern conversations about gender identity. About uh, I know she's talked about Me Too. Has she addressed that in any of her recent films? Well, she hasn't made a made film things since two thousand two thousand eleven or fourteen. I think Abuse of Weakness. Weakness. Bluebeard was like two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Bluebeard, I saw the other night, and um, Bluebeard actually formally is kind of a more mainstream art house film, but it's still quite it's quite a chamber piece. Um, is it like when Dumont started doing like weird? I haven't like, really seen any Dumont apart from about, okay, but, uh, okay, we should do a Dumont episode. Actually, it's been requested. The Dumont Return. Yeah, um, we need to do Kong Kong. Yeah. Okay. I would like to see that. Anyway, anyway. So, so um, one film. What? How? Yeah. How has she evolved? Her sensibility. How has her view on sex changed? How has her? It hasn't changed. Man. No one's yet. view on sex ever changes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, it does, but I mean, I guess like, um, yeah, she's uh, in in Bluebeards. It's very similar to Fat Girl. There's a sort of mm. sister relationship. There's a sort of sense of of letting your sister out into this into the path of a dangerous penis. You know, <laughs> um, I think what's amazing about Bluebeard is that it uses the it uses the device of fantasy. So there's mm. there's a there's a version of the sisters that are very young that are reading of a, a book about Bluebeard intercut with the oldest versions of the sisters like mm. one of them gets married off to Bluebeard and they all know even though he's really nice to her and quite gentle and doesn't even like really mm. fuck her they sleep in separate rooms um, like there's this inevitability like he will end up you will end up in the basement he like gives her a key to this room he gives her he, he's going away on business and he's like probably to find some new wife to like seduce and then kill but um he's like here's all the keys go in any room you want have your friends around uh and then he says gives her a separate key a golden key and he says but don't go in the room he's like the room is this is where the room is he tells her it's the worst <laughs> one on the left uh but don't, don't go in don't button. go in and of course the first thing she does go in and there's yeah, like all the, but the dead bodies of all his ex-wives hanging there and then when uh and then when he comes back he comes back the next the next day mm. and she's got the key and it's got blood on it clotted blood from the the room and and he's like you know you went in the room didn't you and now you're gonna have to go back to the room and that'll be it you know i'm gonna kill you and there's no way of like this is it you know and it's like this inevitability it's it's a perfect metaphor for when you start dating someone who like you kind of know their trouble yeah where it's like yeah. obviously this guy's a complete fuck but maybe because it's so obvious that he's but that's what we talked about before the road that leads you, know, you up to putting exactly. your hand on the doorknob yeah um is you know the thing that puts the hotel key card in your hand yeah. there is a an, a an allure to the dangers and we all are aware of the, even as a child because both the, the characters in um uh fat girl are aware of the filthy complexities of sex yeah. it's not like like i want sex it's a good thing they are sex is this weird complex bat bat land beyond that i might i want to cross into you but you start crossing over it before you've got to the border almost you mm. know it's like there's a rocky terrain that you're passing through and over um so yeah she seems remarkably consistent i admire i admire her mm. consistency actually she just makes films about the same stuff yeah. all the time but isn't that that's that's good aren't they yeah that's what you should, should if you're a good artist you should just all be always be asking the same question um okay but yeah, Anatomies of Hell is a slightly is a slightly more avant-garde piece. 
about a woman who plays a gay dude played by Rocco Sifredi who's like a porn star she's worked with him a couple of times yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and he, he properly gets his dick hard and does it for I real I love how in uh, that interview that Murmur interview she's like men are, cannot perform sexually women have much more sexual appetite than men apart from Rocco <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's this like um, Italian porn star who has like I mean I'm not into guys but his dick is is it perfect it's a tremendous dick Puffy. um uh, but uh, yeah, so there's this um, anatomy of hell. There's a slightly more thinky bit about this mm. woman who's like, oh, what would happen if I make myself totally passive to this guy? And mm. then he ends up like sticking a garden rake up a bum and like sort of like, he ends up fucking her in the end because like, well, you, know, you would, wouldn't you? It's, even if you're gay, you're like, <laughs> this is naked, very attractive naked woman just <laughs> here in this room, like um, allowing anything to happen. Anyway, um, and uh, so that was that feels almost like a film influenced by the new French extremity. It doesn't really mm. seem to stand so interestingly in her in her um, filmography. Um, but yeah, there's also sexist comedy, which is mm. a little bit self-referential, but very interesting. That's the fat girl, the fat girl, almost. Yeah, the yep. fat girl sort of um, fictionalized remake, uh, um, like. Uh, well, yeah, where she she kind off. of lambasts the. The, the process of making mm. films. She's made porno as well. Porno? Porno? What? She's made straight up porno, hasn't she, before? Has she? I thought she had. This is what I heard on the grapevine. Like she's made straight up porno. I don't know if she has. I mean, romance um, has unsimulated sex in yeah. it. Yeah. So in a way, that's the extremity, the new French extremity. They, they link to The no least way. sexy sex ever, actually. Mm. Shout out to Romance, which is not her best film. Um, <laughs> it's actually like so unsexy. It's just about this woman, this like sort of flat-chested woman who's just, just like a, a secondary school teacher, a primary school teacher, um, and she's got this husband who's like very attractive, but like, very, like doesn't want to fuck her at all. There's like would, mm. would much. It's not even. It's not even. He he can get hard, and he does get hard, but he's just like just stop. You know, he, <laughs> well, he, would, so rather, the, he would rather the, be reading his book. We've all been there, lads. We want to read our book. <laughs> we want to read Tolstoy's War and Peace. <laughs> Maybe Taras Bulba. And she's just super horny and she ends up getting tied up by this other dude who works at her school who's the mm. headmaster, I think. But, like, it's just... She's so boring and, like, the film... It's engaging and it's good mm. and it's, like, really well made. That seems like the least very art thing you've described. But almost. it's not... Yeah, it's not the, like... Because the, 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 the kind of transgressive um, power dynamic... The un like the element that seems bray out there is the female desire, the almost yeah, yeah, illogical yeah. female desire. This just need to be filled, but um, it never goes. But, it never goes into fantasy territory. Mm. She does mad stuff, but it's all real, and it's nah, all boring. like it's all just like stuff. All the stuff that happens is quite. God, it's almost like Ken Loach or something. It's very weird. It's like very rational romance. Oh no, Ken um, Loach sex scenes. <laughs> no, I mean I don't go, I'm going too far. Saying it's <laughs> You're but, going too far. But like it, um, it, romance is like. I'm Mrs. Dead. It's a, yeah, I'm Mrs. Dead. It's, <laughs> it's, it's it's a good film. It's still a good film. It's worth seeing if you like Bray. But um, it's no when it doesn't have any of the um, eerie, uncanny, visceral mm. panache of. Um, like there's like a good example of romance is there's a bit where she's like being tied up very methodically by this rather plain looking like mm. older like maths teacher guy. He's not a maths teacher, but he could be one. Um, and um, he and then like it just cut. You don't really like she that cuts. Oh my god, it's actually amazing. It's still amazing. 
so there's two bits I gotta mention that are amazing in romance. There's like she's being tied up like very carefully by this guy, yeah. just so that she doesn't like you know get tied up too tight. But so it's it's good okay. It's a bo- it like the rope bondage thing. Yeah, yeah. And the he Japanese puts then he then you just see a close up of the fingers going inside her cunt and coming out like dripping. And then it cuts right. to like a short shot from outside of a cafe. So it was zooming in on the window, and they're just mm. like sat. And he's like, more caviar. More, more caviar. caviar and then he goes to a garçon more, more caviar and uh, it's just like this is a new section that we do where Ralph <laughs> does ASMR for sex scenes yeah um, <laughs> you can now get your tissues um, <laughs> um, but there's no there's a an element where there's at least the consistency there is is uh, Brayout's obsession with juices and expelled fluids like in a real life girl you know, she talks, she lays on the train track and she oh, kind of yeah. says about getting her sex on the stone. And she says the sex is the translation, but she's almost, her mm. sex is her fluids. It's a, this kind of dripping uh, vaginal fluids. She <laughs> opens her legs to the ocean and lets the ocean kind of pass through. Have you her. ever called it your sex? My sex, every to, day. To a girl. Every day. That, I'm know. just going to get my sex out. Oh no, my sex is all over mine. <laughs> my sex is everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's just dripping down my didgeridoo. <laughs> that's how you, that's ladies, that's how you do real ASMR. My Australian. Sex. <laughs> sensory. I can imagine Nick Cave. Nick Cave would use my sex. He'd be like, my it sex. was a cold winter on the hills. And wild horses. <laughs> and I was playing with my six. <laughs> oh, the waves crashed and the mist flew over the night. And the seagulls kissed. kissed and my, my six was heavy and hard. <laughs> I said to my wife, Wild who's jokes. a model, I wrote, I wrote, I answered my fan letters on a blog. I got my six out. I was blogging on... And the ravens flew over the clouds. <laughs> I logged on to blogger.com and my, my password. back. <laughs> I had to go and reclaim my password. I couldn't remember my recovery uh, email, so I had to call my personal assistant. Hannah Gadsby. Hannah Gadsby. And say, what's, uh, what's my password? She wouldn't like Catherine Breyer. They, no. they, they were not going A lot of people wouldn't like Catherine Breyer. I was in this podcast earlier and I was like... Um, the the moment podcast are like I can see why a lot of people would viscerally not like Catherine Brett, but her comments divorced from seeing her films. That's the thing she's saying that like people are judging Brett because they hear her comments. They go, "Oh, this uh, news website that I just found, the Hollywood Reporter dot com, said that uh, Catherine yeah, Brett yeah. said that Weinstein was a good guy." That's not true. That's misrepresenting anyway. But if you go back and actually watch Brett's film, you get a much more detailed understanding of her career fucking career spanning 30 40 50 years or yeah, not 50 yeah. years but like you know a lifetime of examining the complexities and ambiguities of sex often with women being the victims of male um violence sexual yeah, violence yeah. and she's you know? old man she's in Come her on. 80s and she she, and she wrote a fucking stri- a stroke she wrote making yeah. films, you know? and she, she wrote and the Legend. novel that the real youngest girl is based on she wrote when she was 16 you know she's mm. like a veteran she should be like knighted book club should be everyone reads bataille though yeah, yeah. The story yeah, of the eye is fantastic. Story there. Great. But um, um, well, the, other, the other good scene I was going to say from romance was this bit where she's saying, like, I dream of a brothel 
where women have their bodies like uh, their bodies are in like a guillotine without a blade or with a wall on either side and it, you see this visualized how does that work and it's like well basically so the top half of the body from mm -hmm. like the belly button upwards is in this like white room where right. everyone is like in tennis whites and like kissing and like holding hands and like talking about their feelings and right. then like on the other so, side uh like it's just like from the waist it's like naked attraction like, like Ooh, that, yeah. that channel four show um yeah. <laughs> and like, it's like the it's from belly button down and it's like the vulva and it's just all these porn stars just with their cocks just wanking and there's like wanking queuing up off. they're queuing up like it's a chip and pin machine just to go in and like so the top half is like is is twitter is fp fbp twitter <laughs> and the bottom <laughs> half is tumblr am i right the top half is fucking hinge where it's designed to be deleted and they're trying to they're, they're trying to find the one and the bottom half is fucking pure or grinder so i think what we can say about brea i think brea is a quite brave i admire her consistency that is one of the things that really appeals to her films when you know that somebody her fluid when somebody <laughs> is just working something out the same yeah, question yeah. over again and again and again and that's she's rambunctious shit. enough that she doesn't let people get in her way and no. she doesn't give a shit she can't though she's like, like Thatcher or something not that I like Thatcher but like French Thatcher her, her position in like in the, the film lady world. is not for <laughs> turning on <laughs> you know like where where Agnes Varda would be sort of like you know like, Varda's like, boring like Corbin shit, or though. something you know just like always you know always sort did, of did on you the watch right the faces and places film no and it looks fucking it's shit, so man. gash it looks it's so, so gash it's just part of it um, feels like she's just been groomed by this argentinian man is it like seasons in Carsey? is it <laughs> like the worse. seasons of Carsey? she's just been driven around this countryside by this awful like sub banksy <laughs> artist he's like oh agnes we are gonna do beautiful things together and she's like oh, is he shagging her I don't know. No, I don't think so. But then the sad thing is at the she's end... She's hot, though. She's, of course she's hot, man. But then they that go to hair. visit Godard at the end, and Godard just, like, rejects them. And he's like, I well, don't want to see you. Because he's Speaking a Speaking of Godard, we were just discussing on WhatsApp. Um, because there was this amazing... Art, the clip isn't available, unfortunately, but an article on BBC about the Newsnight episode, the night that... Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. ...that Bergman and Antonioni both died at the same day. I think because of the time difference, it was only... It was announced on consecutive days. But mm. they died on the same day uh, in Sweden and Italy. Um, Bergman and Antonioni, two of the greatest directors of all time, died yeah. on the same day. Extraordinary stuff. <laughs> Jeremy Paxman uh, talking about Bergman he interviewed Sir Richard Iyer I don't even know who that guy is but some dude um, yeah. anyway he uh, he was he was he, he was doing the classic Paxman devil's advocate thing where, but it was just totally inappropriate because it's just like some a really, <laughs> ta just a really talented person's died and not, it's not Brexit and there's nothing, there's nothing to debate but do you feel your films are boring are they <laughs> boring he, but he was Missed like yeah it. he was like he was like, but it's not exactly box office is it you know, it wasn't actually you know and it's like <laughs> The body's still warm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The body's literally still warm. And you're Laventura. Like, <laughs> but was it really an adventure? Could you claim that it was really an adventure? <laughs> a woman went missing. Um. <laughs> anyway, a um, friend of the pod, Daniel, was talking to me on WhatsApp about this. And um, uh, we were saying... You so were speculating... Shit. Paxman's such a cock. Awful, awful. Um, but we were speculating about how... But, but um, you know, Goddard is, is, is a, of equivalent stature. Mm. Uh, and hasn't died yet and is, yeah. is you he's know, still fucking alive somehow. he's 90 yeah when he does die we hope he'll he's still... totally going to the suicide vest you fucking but it'll like be Greenaway Greenaway <laughs> no he'll do like a suicide vest at 
the Academy de France or something like that. It would be, but it would be um, no man. Like he's, he's gonna live to hundred, I reckon. No, he'll live to hundred, but it would be like weekend. He'll just literally drive this tiny Fiat Punto <laughs> through the French countryside, just <laughs> fucking flipping cars, <laughs> and then just crash into a hedge. And he'd be legend. like, "So he's a legend in our time." I love God. Is he still alive though? Image book. Actually, I'd love to re-review Image book. Image yeah, book. great yeah, film. Yeah. Image book. I, I want to do weekend again. I want to do is like pre-Marxist insanity, mm. like you know, weekend, and then lead up to his like super Marxist period. Oh, his didactic oh, yeah, Marxist too period. Yeah, that weird mm. Marist one. Yeah, with yeah. Jean Um oh. That's a cool. That's a cool period. That's the coolest period of Godard. That oh, Lemme Pris. Hellas Pomois. That was pretty sick. Hellas Pomois is sick. We, have, so uh, here, we loved Hellas Pomois. We both loved it. Like, if yep. we'd been doing the pod, we would have reviewed it then. That we was did the review we it. That was like a seed. That was a seed of the seed pod. Was the us pod. watching Hellas Pomois and going, that, this film with uh, Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, weirdly, I don't ever like him. With his uh, disgusting voice. <laughs> it's the Alphaville voice that he does. Yeah, disgusting, oh, vomiting Alphaville voice. I've got processing. It's horrible. Like he's got throat cancer, is not he? The throat cancer voice, yeah. It's a bit like Sanford Meisner when he got this... Anyway, I love film. Yeah, what? Oh, I bet anyway. there's other stuff we can say about Brayat, but I think we've come, this, we, we've, 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 we've done it. We shot our words. We've shot our loads. Yeah, we really have. There is not um, really time for a second round. No, what what we are doing next week is we are reviewing Kutsiev's film. I'm going to commit now. We're doing. I am 20. And eight. July rain. July rain, another one of his films. Um, God forbid it rains this July. God We've forbid, had so much mate. shit weather this year. Uh, we're going to be out of Lockie in July. Oh, though, get me out of Lockie. So, so if I it can, can literally rain, live. I want to live pour. the real young girl. I want to put some worms in someone's pussy. You want to sit on a <laughs> Thameslink train in Gravesend. Uh, I'll put I'll put um, worms in your pussy. I'm, I want to put worms in your not your pussy, but someone's pussy. Someone's Someone. pussy. You can put your worm. Which one is of these lucky listeners in someone's pussy wants some earthworms Earthworm sliced into their into <laughs> the, between uh, their labial deeply walls. Deeply unpre- unpleasant scene, but like really compelling at the same Barbed time. Barbed wire as well. Talk about me. Dumont's uh, origin of the world. Not Dumont, Corbet. Corbet's origin of the world. No, but Dumont repeats that oh, scene, he? remember? Yeah, uh, in uh, Humanité. Oh, in Humanité. In a hedge, yeah. That is a recurring theme of uh, vulvas on display in French cinema. Your mum's a recurring theme of vulvas. <laughs> <laughs> she is, she is. French cinema. She is, all the time. Um, magnificent. Magnifique. Happy international... Uh, no, it's too late. No. Boxing Day. I went for the more progressive yeah, you pleasure celebrating I, option I and you went for the uh, more um, violent option. Well, you know. Um thank you for listening, listeners. Yeah, thank you. Um this was our first face to face uh Can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a lot less edited for that reason. Yeah, a lot. Most of the edits I do on these pods are just because of Zoom. We kind of talk over each other because we don't know that the other person started speaking because mm-hmm. of the lack of neurolinguistic prompts. Um, so, yeah, uh, we. If you're listening to this, you know that we have a new Spotify link. So definitely follow us on Spotify. It got taken yeah. down for reasons. We were silenced. Yeah, for very Briatish reasons. You can read my article in Telegraph that I was silenced. Um, I'm going my speaking tour. Yeah, so bye-bye, our little worms. Farewell. Um, see you next week. Oh, we'll be talking about Marlon. Yeah, stay safe. Hands face space. Bye. Hands face space. Bye.